0: Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we are The Worst Girl Gang Ever, a podcast and platform to support, educate and empower people through the heartbreaking experience of baby loss.
1: This summer sees us launching our one-of-a-kind pathway to recovery. A course to shine a guiding light through these dark times. To find out more, visit our website www.theworstgirlgangever.co.uk
0: Good evening everyone and welcome to the Worst Girl Gang Ever. This week we're joined by one of our favourites.
1: Hang on, when you say good evening, people don't necessarily listen
0: to it in the evening.
1: It's been released
0: in the evening though, can we not just get through one introduction without something kicking off? You might listen to it on their commute to
1: work. Okay, right.
0: Hi everyone, we hope that whatever time of day it is for you, (laughs) that you enjoy this episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. (laughs) <laughs> More than I'm about to <laughs> uh, We're lucky enough to be joined here in the studio By our, one of our favourites, Laura Hi Lord Laura, P. not you yeah.
2: <laughs> Now I'm a little bit scared now Should I just be saying hello or good evening or Oh fuck no, just say, say whatever you
0: want And Laura will probably give you a bollocking If she thinks that you're, you're wrong I'll
2: just say hello then, hi guys
1: <laughs> Hi, it's great to have you Laura P Meeting yeah. Laura P face to face yeah. It's
0: fantastic. We've been chatting for ages because I think that we started chatting because you called us dickheads or something.
2: Um, yeah. I think we've had a lot of banter like that that's uh that's gone back and forth. Yeah, I I mean, banter. It's, it's yeah, yeah we could
0: like could have been really offended, but we weren't because we're not easily offended, luckily. Um Neither, well. luckily. <laughs> and it went from there, didn't it? <laughs> Our yeah, beautiful it did.
2: friendship. Um, I just send you guys a message um you always get back to me and then obviously there's you know there's the serious side to to the support that you guys offer and you know and how you two met in the first place and the lifeline that you've you've been for for loads of people including me so um so yeah
0: oh finally finally talking Mm. finally found what we've been looking for now you know we're going to love you more. That you remember a that banger. One? Isn't it banger. a banger? What happened wow. to the honey? It's has been you. <laughs> and I think they spelt their name with a Z at the end. Oh, of course they honeys. did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, Laura, tell us a bit about how you ended up in this, sh- in this shitty, awesome, but shit, but terrible, but awesome, but incredible, but shit group, gang.
2: Yeah, so... Um i um met my husband in 2013 um and i did not know he was going to be my husband at the time he was just someone where I worked and um, he was the assistant head um at the school that I got a job at um and um my dad had always kind of said to me um i was with uh, somebody when I started the job and he was like oh yeah you know he's lovely but I just don't think he's the man for you I just don't think he's going to be the man that you're going mm. to marry and I was like oh cheers for confidence dad um so I had a particularly good time at a previous school I'd been at and I had actually applied to be cabin crew for British Airways um nice. totally different from teaching yeah um and my dad said um oh just just give teaching one last go I don't want you to force you into it but I just I think you're such a brilliant teacher and well blah, blah. anyway I saw this job advertised and it was to cover uh, teachers when they have their time out of class so it's called PPA so planning preparation and assessment um, and it was just working in the afternoons and I thought that might be a really good way to get back into the whole teaching malarkey so applied for it got the job and on my interview is the first time that I that I saw um my now husband um and that evening my dad actually passed away um and it was just when you look back on it now and you kind of look at little things that have happened and you know things that people said and then you know I just yeah so it was it was a bit of sweet time really Mm because it was an amazing job. So, so yeah, so kind of fast forward a few years and, um, I was working somewhere different. Um, we decided that because we were going to get married, um, and I was going to change my name, um, it would be easier for me to look for another job. And I was looking for a little bit more of a challenge at the time anyway. Mm. So I, um, uh, got a different job. Um, Neil continued uh, where he was and we moved in, in 2016, got married in 2017 um, and unfortunately I got made redundant from that school that I I had moved to um, because it was turning into an academy my role just wasn't going to be there anymore so I applied for um, a special needs job um, as a teacher at a local charity and was really fortunate enough to get the job but in changing jobs you then kind of look at the maternity leave and you're yeah. like right like, okay so need to be working for it was something that's like I needed to have been employed for a certain amount of weeks and then a certain amount of weeks to my mm. due date. We calculated it that we couldn't start training until April 2019.
0: And so that, in, like, that in itself, because I know a lot of people struggle with this, the whole work thing, that when you, you, you do end up planning things around a yeah. baby that hasn't been conceived yet, don't you? Yeah, so when yeah. you leave, we've said this a lot, but when you decide that you want to have a baby with someone you kind of leave this life that you've been leading whereby you go for the promotions or you go and get that new job or you you leave that almost carefree attitude and you start down this road of like okay well in 50 I had to be 15 weeks by the time I announced it so and then you work back and it's just like this horrible limbo isn't it that you never Mm. quite know where you're going and then you start going well okay well if I if I say sod that and I will just go for it, then I'm bound to be pregnant. And then you kind of start compartmentalising your brain into doing like, I know that I need to be sensible because we can't afford to have a baby if I haven't got a job. Yeah. But at the same time, I know it's sod's law. I must, I'm much more likely to be pregnant if I just chuck everything into the wind and go, hey.
1: And then and it's laughable when it doesn't then, happen. And you think, God, we've just, been being careful because yeah. we weren't allowed, able to try until this date. And then yeah. it still takes another yeah. five years and it's just such a head fuck, isn't
2: it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think, um, especially with teaching as well. I mean, we weren't going down the assisted conception route at the time because Neil already had two two girls. Um, when we got together, they were nine and fourteen, thirteen, something like that. Um, and okay. the youngest one has just turned sixteen and the oldest one is at university.
0: Um, oh right. So they're not they're not, not really kids anymore. We're not so, in I've gone for the older man.
2: I'm shopping <laughs> in the geriatric <laughs> section.
0: <laughs> nice. Silver
2: Fox. Uh, absolutely. No, he, and and probably since being married to me, he's even a little bit more silver than he was before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I thought, I've kind of always done uh, running and events like that. So I thought, do you know what? This is perfect timing. I'll do the Manchester marathon. We hadn't been using any contraception anyway. We'd been using like kind of, just the red day green day thing um you know so we hadn't had anything foolproof but it hadn't happened that's fine um did the Manchester marathon really touched with that and then we were kind of like good to go and seven weeks later uh eight weeks later um I remember sitting in the conservatory with my best friend and we got pissed um started off on the gin to warm up a little bit and then descended into the wine um I had a hot water bottle on my stomach and she was like, have you still not come on your period? I was like, no, but it's, it's actually really good because my cycle was slightly shorter. So it was like 24, 25 days. And this is day 28, I think. And I was like, absolutely not got a clue. And before I came on here talking to you guys today, I was actually thinking to myself that actually May 2019 was probably the last time I wasn't really, really aware of my cycle and my periods. Mm. because I think once you get into the whole trying to conceive and it's not happening or you've had losses everything just revolves around like the period and, and yeah. where and, you and are and
0: yeah yeah where. um and it's that's a long time yet so, yeah to, that's what that could come up two years yeah and it, I mean um, that's even that's even relatively short in in comparison to obviously a lot of people's but I mean two years is a there's ages
2: yeah. living Such one a month. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I went for, and uh, my mum had bought me a massage for a Christmas present. So I went for this massage the next day. Um, still had a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Fortunately, it was just head and head and neck and not like anywhere else it was. Yeah. Um, and my best mate was like, Have you come on your period yet or what? And she said, I think you need to go and buy a test. I was like, shut up. I'm, that's ridiculous. Um, but I did anyway. And I just remember sitting in the downstairs the toilet and was like, Oh my God. Oh, wh- uh, right. Okay. Wow. You know, really been trying for like the short, like seven yeah. weeks, you know, I'd had one period after the marathon and then, and then, yeah. Um, so Neil came home, told him absolutely delighted. Um, and yeah, just kind of carried on taking supplements, I was absolutely knackered, um, had headaches, nothing else, um, nothing untoward. And I had just brought my class that I was teaching at the time back from Chester Zoo uh, on a trip, which <laughs> was quite stressful when you're trying to take six complex autists to a zoo. But they mm. had a great time. We were really well staffed, um, it was brilliant. Um I got home that night and felt a little bit odd and I was um I was nine weeks and I'd had to tell work really early on Mm -hmm. because the complexities of the children that I taught were such that you had to have risk assessments for kind of behaviours and and not putting yourself in situations where you might get kicked or hit, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um so they all knew we'd had my mum's birthday where we told my mum and my brother. Um and I just woke up the following day at, I think it was five to four in the morning. And I instinctively had gone to bed with stomach ache, but it didn't feel like stomach ache. But I think when you've not had a loss, you you just don't think that it could be that. You know, it just, it didn't even factor in. Um, and just instinctively kind of put, put my, my fingers down there and it
1: was just, it was just blood. Um, oh, Laura
2: and I just just went into panic mode won't kneel up um the early pregnancy unit didn't um open till early that morning and then we went in and had a scan to find out that um the fetus the baby hadn't been growing uh from five weeks oh. and I was nine
1: um how <laughs> did you we... feel it might sound like a stupid question because obviously devastated but how did you feel uh, about it not having got past five weeks and you being nine weeks? It's quite confusing, isn't it? When you've not been
2: it through is. that before. And it, and it's still something that I think about regularly now because mm-hmm. um, it's just really confused. Like how, how has my body still wanted to hold on to it? And then you really start to I remember there was a point in time where you just kind of resented
1: mm-hmm. your body
2: because you felt cheated like why have you made me hang on to this pregnancy when you know it it, it wasn't viable there was something you know really wrong with the baby and it just had stopped growing at, at a certain point and um it took and this was the this was the July um and um I was <laughs> I say I was fortunate enough because we use these phrases don't we I was mm. fortunate enough to to miscarry at home and um uh yeah and that was was not like it was sold to me it was not a heavy period it was full-on
0: you mm. know it, trauma. It, it's
2: painful trauma you know it's and then of course the world still keeps spinning, doesn't it? And, you know, your stepkids still keep coming round. And um, I, you know, I take this opportunity to say that I'm incredibly lucky with with Neil's daughters. Um, mm. They're both, I mean, we've had our ups and downs, but I think you have your ups and downs with like, you know, your own natural children, wow. your own, you know, stepkids. But oh, those ugly feelings came thick and fast
0: because that's that's I mean that is one of the reasons that obviously we're we're talking to you is because we haven't spoken to someone before who who's had a a loss um when their partner already has kids and that must be I I I personally I I am from a blended family as well so my husband has a a child from a previous relationship um and obviously I've got two older ones from from my previous marriage. And I, I found it really hard and we've got one together and I found it really hard when I just been through the miscarriage. And then you are faced with a situation where actually you need to accept that uh, the kids are going to be there. His his kids are going to be there because he's their dad and that's the right thing. And that's absolutely. And you're in this whole world of pain where you've just, lost a baby and it's a it's a really challenging, difficult situation. And it must have been so, so hard for you to have this empty nest type feeling when he's had that. Um so how did that pan out for you?
2: So we were we were fortunate in that um Neil's daughters were um going away with their mum on their summer holiday by the time that all of this had kind of all of this had kind of transpired. So we had two weeks when they were away with their mum and then we were going to France on holiday and the youngest one had decided that it just wasn't the kind of holiday that she wanted to come on. She'd had kind of an all singing, all dancing holiday with her mum like on a resort and we hire a jeep and just go to a beach and take kind of sandwiches and cook our own mm. barbecues and stuff. Mm. So in terms of having the time immediately after the loss um it was it was probably quite a decent chunk of time that we had together to process it and then we had the summer holiday away just the two of us mm. um but I think you then come back to normal and it's the start of a new academic year and um we have Neil's daughters well before the oldest one went to university and um, half of the time mm-hmm. so you know it's not just kind of um a weekend that some some families might have or one day during the week it is you know it it it's half of the time and i i was never ever awful but i know now that i really distanced myself mm-hmm. um and we have a really good relationship um i remember when i first very first time that I that I met both of them and the oldest one was a little bit more quiet and reserved a bit like a dad really and the youngest one was just chatting away and at the end of it she went I really like you you make my mm. dad smile oh, oh that's, cute. that's nice um, and I think that was probably the first point where I thought oh I'd I'd quite like a little person with with uh-huh. this man you know I'd yeah, quite like yeah. and especially when you know you know that the two children that that neil's got um are, you know happened really easily pretty quickly really yeah. easily not complicated yeah. mm. you know there's all that just
0: yeah shit and how did you feel about their mum so we um didn't
2: have well we just didn't have a relationship really you know if neil mm. would go and pick them up he would go by himself there'd be no reason for me to go um and uh you know if 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 the girl's mum was ever coming to drop them off she'd just kind of you know pull onto our driveway drop them off that kind of thing um I am still jealous
1: yeah and I will
2: and I will say that I'm you know that I'm that I'm jealous and I'll probably be quite open about Open about my feelings, really, about it
1: all, how can you not be though? yeah, I mean I think it's impossible yeah. not to be she's got and and had what what you desperately want right now, um yeah, yeah, it's, just don't beat yourself up for that,
0: yeah, for sure, and yeah. how is so the relationship between is it, is it all quite amicable yeah yeah it so it that is makes now. that must um, make it yeah. easier, I guess, yeah, I think it was harder to
2: begin with because we ended up buying the house that they lived in together I mean I, I can't imagine how how hard it must have been but one of the reasons why we did that was so we could fill it with a couple of little people as well mm-hmm. as having room for for Neil's daughters girls, that, were, yeah. that were already around for the girls um, and yeah so I mean if she comes to the front door now we'll have a chat and what have you it's actually been a lot better since lockdown because I think we bought them kind of some easter eggs they couldn't leave the house because they were isolating for one reason or another you know back when it first happened and everyone was just so good. um yeah but it's they we decided not to tell the girls um about about the loss um and I can't imagine they'll listen to this podcast but you never know that their mum <laughs> might have friends that listens to it and that's fine you know I'm, and they say they still don't know no and I think it just comes from a place of just being really embarrassed. It just you you feel like you can't do the one thing that you were put on the planet to do. Mm. Um, and like when you have a birthday and you get cards saying to a wonderful daughter, to my amazing wife, mm-hmm. you know, to my best friend, blah blah blah. Does that gap on the fireplace that doesn't say
0: you know to my mum mm. that she that she does have. So, she, so so you didn't tell um, the girl's mum either? No, no I am.
2: Okay. Um, and I no, it's a tricky one, really. And I think it was just Neil was amazing with it. He just said, whoever you want to tell and however you want to tell them, you know, even if that's a couple of years down the line. And I, I you know, we said, "Well, you know, when we have one we'll we'll tell them what that period in time was about because I imagine the youngest one was quite confused as to like well, you know why did why did Laura withdraw a little bit and what was going on and and what have you um but no we didn't I think maybe I thought I'd get a served you right um I didn't know I wasn't in a place where I was mentally strong enough to receive anything
1: other than nice yeah. words and comfort really um but Laura yes. probably also you probably assumed that it would happen quite soon after so okay yeah. we've had we've had this miscarriage but we're gonna have another baby soon and yeah. it will it'll be fine yeah oh, oh you're really
0: it. fertile after you've had oh at least you can get pregnant <laughs> yeah uh, and also the other thing is that You know, if you told the girls I imagine and and their mom, I imagine there would be a certain part of you that would feel under more pressure because as soon as you told them that you've had a loss, they will then know that a baby is on the agenda for you. And then, you know, kids aren't aren't exactly subtle no and so it would be no (laughs) no and then it would be what are you pregnant now are you when are you so when are you going to have a baby and and that's just adds another sort of facet to the whole (laughs) to the whole grieving process doesn't it to be sort of constantly reminded by a child that you don't have a child
2: yeah and I remember when we went to France um might have been just after we'd or the year after we'd got married um and Neil and I must have Made some comments about, oh blimey, what would it be like if we were trying to pack a baby seat in this car as well with all of the clothes, and we take a barbecue and you know that kind of stuff. And then I must have said some other comment, and I remember the youngest one being really, really quiet one day. She wanted to be next to her dad all the time when we were in the sea. She wasn't. She would give me kind of one-word answers. And I kind of we got home, and I just went, look, what's wrong? And she just burst out crying. And I said let me go and get your dad you don't have to tell me so I went to go and get Neil and he came in and she just said you don't need another baby you don't need to have any more babies there won't be any love left for me if you don't have any um who's gonna take me swimming and and who'll do that with me if you have a baby and and I think I just thought I don't know I could still kind of those that that reaction that she had and mm. we felt we'd only made a couple of comments here and there and yeah. she's brilliant with children mm. you know i can i can see her kind of doing stuff with kids when she's older you know having a job with kids when she's older um but that reaction absolutely floored me because yeah. Yeah. i don't think i'd appreciated the impact that my relationship with neil had had on her mm-hmm. um and after we'd had the miscarriage, that just came flooding back to me. And I just thought, would she be glad? Oh, no. And then how would I feel if she said something that was negative? And also, it's just something else that she's got to then process and she's got to deal with. And, you know, teenage years um, are hard enough as it is. I think
0: it's, it's from my personal experience, it's really difficult to remain in an adult brain when you come into sort of contact and talks and conversations with children and I have found that really challenging because they do say things that are really hurtful like I wish my mum and daddy were back together that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and you're like and in your head you go that makes sense that makes total sense there's a child and, and it, but, but everything in you goes wrong well, they're fucking not. so go <laughs> yeah. over it do you well, know what I mean? no, it but happens, it's that whole, yeah yeah deal with it <laughs> yeah but it's that whole it's such I find it so this is I really wanted to talk to you about this because um it's just such a complex Issue And there's so many turning cogs the whole time in the dynamics, the, di- the dynamics, which is a new word <laughs> um, of a blended family. And it's really interesting to hear your reasoning behind not telling because we told the other significant others, the parents of our kids. And I was really hurt by that because there was nothing, there was no sympathy or or a little text and and I found that really hard. And it and, and I don't know, it's just, it's just a shit situation. I've got a, a really good friend of mine is in the the a really similar situation. She had a TFMR at 12 weeks and her husband has two children from, from a previous relationship. And she's just in bits. You know, she finds it so difficult to have this continued. Because as a stepmom, and I don't think it's the same when you're a stepdad. As a stepmom, you are not popular. You are not the, the woman that, that. No, you're they... very wicked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is no narrative where a stepmom is like this. Hey, I'm the stepmom. The stepdad gets to be like the cool guy that you play football with. The stepmom's like the asshole. Traditionally, <laughs> narrative. That's what happens. So you're trying my best. <laughs> you're yeah you're an arsehole Laura just, just accept it and move on um but you're sort of in this really difficult situation and I'm, this is very generalizing obviously there will be people that listen that are like you know superhero stepmoms and, and that's amazing for you but you are stuck in this narrative where you have to accept everything and then you're in this pain and this and it's and and the kids don't understand it and they can't understand it and yet so everything happens the same as it always has and they've got their dad and they love their dad and they're cuddling their dad and and you just feel out in the cold don't you mm. you just feel a little bit out in the cold and you yeah. need that love and attention and I can imagine yeah. that it was so difficult for you to, to to process what you were going through almost in a in a public eye because you didn't even you hadn't even told them no, and I
2: imagine I keep imagining what it would have been like if I'd maybe brought um a child into the blended family from, you know, from a previous relationship, or even if Neil and I had had one and we were maybe trying for our second and this had happened, yeah. but there was no there was no comfort. There was, yeah. no, there was no person that I could hold that could even Vaguely fill that gap, or try. Yeah. And, you know, there was. Um, I have a very sweet cat. She's incredibly high maintenance. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, there's. There was no. There was no other child, and because I met my uh, stepdaughters when they were kind of like nine and fourteen, yeah. we. I don't know if they've ever really seen me as the stepmom so much as kind of like um, dad's wife right um because um yeah I do the you know the toing and froing from swimming and I make sure things are in for lunch um you know and I ask if she needs anything from the supermarket or um you know support with revision and homework and yet you're not mum Mm. you know and so I tell you what you know if nobody writes you a guidebook on how to be a parent they certainly don't write one about how to be a step parent yeah amen to that sister (laughs) You're constantly having to pull yourself back because, Mm -hmm. right, okay, so I I can't bollock her for that.
0: They're not my kids. They're not my kids. They're not my kids. Yeah. Yeah. But they're under
1: my roof.
2: Yeah. Oh, but it's all right for me to go out and spend 50 quid on you at Primark. That's Mm -hmm. okay. But I can't. And so it's got, it's just this constant balancing act. And then you've, on top of that, you have this overwhelming sadness and jealousy and, Mm. um, Failure, yeah. Shame. I didn't want anyone to know that I had failed. Mm. I didn't want the girls to know that I'd failed. I didn't want their mom to know that I failed. Um, yeah, and
1: I can understand that. I I didn't even want Scoop's parents to know because I felt like they would resent me and tell him to go and get a new wife who could have a baby. Yeah, yeah, think people who are not yours, you know, your family, your friends, you can sort of trust them with this delicate this yeah. delicate subject but for people who are uh, for me it sort of feels like on the other person's team not that it's like that but that's how my paranoia affected me when I was going through yeah. it I just didn't want anyone on his team to know because I thought they would just be like well she's not good for anything
0: <laughs> get rid yeah, of that absolutely yeah absolutely it's so um, sad isn't it because when you when you explain it like that and I totally see it like that and I totally see what you're saying Laura, other Laura it's just this whole <laughs> it's fuck it's mental though, isn't it? When you say it out loud, yes, like Laura, really? you're smiling. Yeah. Top, top, top left, Laura, you're Who's smiling. Top left? You. Me? Yeah. You're Laura on the B. top left of my screen. Oh
1: my god, this is confusing.
0: <laughs> Laura B, you're you're smiling because you know it sounds mental. Like yeah. I didn't want anyone on Scoop's team to know that I'd had yeah. a miscarriage. Like it is mental, but that's my the mother way and Laura your is so works. supportive. She's so supportive. Yeah. But yeah. It's parallel. That's what happens though, isn't it? You change. You cease to be like yeah. able to be reasonable and yeah. grounded. And then you turn into a mad woman. Did you, Laura P <laughs> Laura? <laughs> did you um at any point resent the girls? Because, like we're talking about ugly things, we know that you didn't, you wouldn't, yeah. in, in your real head. But like,
2: I don't think I resented them. I think mm-hmm. I resented how easily they were conceived. Yeah, and the situation
0: especially,
2: as a whole. Yeah, especially when you know you're talking to your partner and you're talking about how they felt about their previous partner or their previous marriage, and you know that you've got something totally different, and you know that. Um, yeah it's and you think to yourself well hang on a minute we're like properly in love and Mm. then you just realize you know in the words of Tina Turner what's love got to do with it absolutely Mm. nothing you know it's biology and it either works or it doesn't or it you almost feel like kind of their mum has this kind of smug aura about her, and she doesn't she's lovely
0: she she absolutely does not
2: Mm. she's you know she's never once said anything mean or nasty
1: were you able to speak to Neil about your ugly feelings I think I had to because I wasn't in a very good place
0: Mm. Uh,
2: and when when it initially happened I think we were uh, I don't think the girls were due to go on holiday for about four or five days or something and I just turned to Neil and said they can't be here." I, I can't he went, Yeah, totally understand. It's fine. I'll um oh, I'll just cool. ring and I'll just ring and say that you've got a really bad stomach bug and it really wouldn't be a good idea to come round. You know, he's I think he's probably typical. Um, sorry for all the men listening, but I would say probably typical in terms of feelings, you know, he potentially struggles to talk about his and sorts a lot of things out in his head, whereas I'm kind of, you know, talk about
0: talking no. about him, so <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know shocker. (laughs) Yeah gosh it's so interesting to talk about all that and so what's what does the future hold for you now because you've had IVF haven't you?
2: So we had absolutely nothing not a sausage if you'll excuse the expression um from our miscarriage in July 2019 until November last year when we got a positive test on the Saturday morning and then I started bleeding on the Sunday
0: Um, and that was a
2: that was a chemical pregnancy and then we had another chemical pregnancy in January of this year and then we had um egg collection and a transfer although I mean I'm not convinced that we necessarily need IVF uh, we're incredibly grateful to have the IVF funding so yeah so we've got a little frosty in the freezer it, it's been exhausting it's yeah. been absolutely fucking exhausting it's you know when I think back to the timeline you know, we're not in 2020 anymore when I can say, oh, I had a mis miscarriage last year. You know, it's like it's almost two
0: years later. So You've been through a lot in those two years as well. Because you've yeah. been, so you've had what, two, do you say two or three like chemical pregnancies? Two. Two and chemical A failed pregnancies, transfer. A failed transfer.
1: Yeah.
0: A mis- miscarriage. And missed miscarriages as well. I think the emotion, obviously we're not comparing anything, but I think, the emotional um, impact of a missed miscarriage with all the ugly feelings and all the shitty thoughts about your body and your, all that stuff is, is wearing, it's tiring. Yeah. 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 And that's,
2: that's the one that's still, um, that I still struggle with. I've had Mm. counselling and I've got you know, supportive friends and family, but that's the one that I kind of always think about when it might be coming up to a due date or when it might be Mother's Day or Christmas and that kind of thing. And that's not to say we weren't devastated by the chemical pregnancies we were, because you see that positive test and you think it's game on and you think it surely can't happen again. Yeah, yeah. You think this is it. You know, this this is it, you know, this time. We've worked really hard on our health and our nutrition, you know, this must be it. And I think people apart from kind of my my mum and my brother who know about the assisted conception um again we've chosen not to tell um Neil's daughters about it um just because you know the high kind of failure rate really and
1: Mm. um that must be more challenging to keep to yourself because you've got to take all the drugs yeah and the anxiety leading up to it I remember having my um
2: Oh, the one that you have to keep in the fridge, and I put it in a shortbread biscuit tin. <laughs> and she looked at me and went, "She's going to be in that tin thinking it's shortbread, you know." <laughs> and I
1: was like, "Well, anyway, she she shortbread in the fridge." Yeah, yeah what you know. is that about?
2: <laughs> I don't keep shortbread in the fridge. That's what. Uh, that's what. The, I think maybe she thought I'd done some like baking at the weekend or something. Oh, but whether right. she'd been in the tin or not, she had not said anything. Right. Uh, lesser, but. <laughs> I think that Neil's parents and the girls, and I'm not sure whether Neil's ex even gives it any thought, but I'm 37, which I know is I... Young, really young, really young. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. But I think they think that, you know, that that shift has failed. I remember um, the oldest one coming back from uni a few months ago and we were sat around the dinner table and we were talking about Neil's middle name and how it's his dad's middle name and his it was his granddad's middle name as well. Mm. And she just kind of turned around and said, oh, yeah, well, looks like you're stuck with that name because no one else is guessing it, are they? Oh. And you go, and you think, do you know what? I I maybe would have made a comment like that at, at 20. Yeah. Because... You're just so blinkered to anything else, but it absolutely Um, like was like a dagger. Um, And Neil just kind of looked at me. And fortunately, we'd finished eating, and I was like, I was like, do you know what? I'll find the table. You carry on talking to the girls because it's not often that we're around together. And I just Mm -hmm. went into the kitchen and had a bit of a silent cry. And oh, bless you. Swept up those tears and acted acted like you know, it was, there was absolutely no malice
0: behind it at no, it all, not. but I think. Well, there's no, like, yeah. the, these girls, you know, whereas this has been your life for two years, these <laughs> girls don't know anything about it. No. They they know nothing of the loss, they know nothing that you're they, trying for a baby, they know nothing about it, so. No. It, but it feels like they're taking the piss out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though I they don't know. Walk with yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh. that hideous middle name will be our child. What is it? No. Oh, I really like it. It's
0: Spencer. Oh, I it's alright. It it Frank Spencer was a good lad, wasn't
2: he? I really like yeah. it. In fact, when he's clumsy, a bit...
0: <laughs> bit clumsy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bit accident prone. Um, so we're
2: kind of at a point where we're just trying to enjoy just being
0: us. Yeah. And are you trying, are you, are you trying that na- like naturally? Yeah, or rabbits. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We rattle every morning with all the supplements we're having. And when I thought you we're meant getting... like the,
0: the, the, the beds, <laughs> okay. rattle the board. 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 <laughs> every, yeah. Bloody hell. Well,
2: you know, well. from those chandeliers and all that.
0: <laughs> oh, like, uh, yeah. Obviously, everyone who's uh, trying to conceive will know that it's all about the passion exactly. and the romance. And the swinging from the we're chandelier. Not sh-
1: at all.
0: Well, anyway, anyway, <laughs> this is this has been such so lovely to chat and meet IRL as far as IRL is going to be
2: <laughs> as far as it goes for a little while until our
0: Christmas party.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then we're going to get some honeys on the tunes.
1: <laughs> oh, Finally <laughs> yes.
0: found what I've been looking. Maybe we could do
1: karaoke. Okay. Fuck no, because we have got beautiful voices. Absolutely, well,
0: fuck yeah. Let's, Let's get down to business <laughs> to defeat the honeys <gasps> To defeat the honeys and On that yes. note, we're doing it. <laughs> we are doing it. <laughs> thank Laura, you so much for joining us, Yeah, and thank you for being so honest Endy. and open about you know all your shizzle that's gone down.
2: Well, hopefully there are well, not hopefully, but kind of people out there that you know have got stepkids and oh, there are know, had loss, and it's not, you know, it's it's hard. It's but you know, onwards and forwards, and um, yeah, we just kind of see what the future holds. Yeah, we'll keep it. in
0: touch, won't you? Good luck Absolutely. with the triathlon. Yeah, good Thanks. luck with the triathlon. Well, yeah, yeah, thank
2: you for having me on. It's
0: been I'm quite therapeutic, actually. Good. Yeah. Thank Good.
1: You. We only charge twenty pound an hour. It's quite cheap. Yeah. So
0: we'll send across our bank details. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. All <laughs> right, right, Laura. We'll take care of you. I will. Yeah, I Cheers, will. I will. Thanks. Yeah, not you. <laughs> oh, God, I'll probably speak to you in about five minutes. <laughs> uh, over and out. <laughs> Cheers, over guys. and out. Bye. Bye. Bye thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast
1: don't forget to subscribe rate and review and we'll see you next week
0: and to find out more about our pathway to recovery please visit our website